Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Tori. Hello, Internet. Craig. Hello. And Dave. Hello. And we start every week with Good Thing. Uh, Would anyone like to volunteer to go first? So my Good Thing... End of episode. (laughs) (laughs) Night all. Uh, Yeah, since nobody's volunteering, my Good Thing, continuing my... Uh, my theme of siblings who make things that I enjoy uh, this week is the Wachowski siblings. Uh, that is da, 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 Lana and Lily Wachowski, um, who are writers, directors, producers. Basically, they do they do many of the things that go into making movies uh, that aren't like actually acting in them. Um, I've brought up one of their films before as a as a previous good thing, uh, that being Speed Racer, which I love Speed Racer. I love it so much. Um, but they're probably best known for The Matrix. And whatever you may think of The Matrix sequels, the first one is pretty universally loved. Um, they've also done... Uh, they did not direct, but they wrote and produced V for Vendetta. Uh... They did everything for Cloud Atlas, which I still haven't seen, but I've been told is good. Yeah, we my my wife is now telling me that we own it, and I'm probably never going to watch it because it's, from what I've heard, one of those that you really have to pay attention. You can't just sort of have it going and you listen to it while you're doing other stuff, which is kind of my go-to for movie watching. Um, they also did the 2015 Jupiter Ascending which, according to Rotten Tomatoes, people freaking hated. It was not very good at all. Which I also I mean, haven't seen, but pretty... I do need to see it at some point. Anyway, Wachowski siblings. I enjoy many of the things that they have done, and that's my good thing. Somebody else go next. Alright, I'm just gonna go. You guys are too quiet. You gotta spice things up. Guess what, guys? Guess what? Tori... This what? applies especially to you. I found a new game. Mobile on Android, and I believe it's on I- iOS. Uh, it's an RPG, but it does have a gotcha in it. Gotchas, you know, where you have premium currency used to get characters. But it is not the focus, so it's not like something like we mentioned in the past Record Keeper. It's more of a single-player RPG. It'll eventually be coming out for the Switch, so maybe by the time you listen to this episode, it's on Switch. And it's called Another Eden. It's made by some people who did Chrono Trigger, especially the music, which is really good. So it has some of that music. It does have a time travel type storyline related to it. So there's some shenanigans going on there. Uh, It's free to play, like I mentioned. And it starts you out with like a good character anyway, so it's not like you need to like collect stuff. 
and do the gotcha. It's just sort of like a side note, like, hey, there's this thing. And if you do continue it after the story, there might be reasons because of harder dungeons and things like that. But for the story itself, just to play and have fun, just pick it up and play. Uh, And the best part is you don't have to like, it's not a thing that you have to play every day. It's, it's mostly a single player RPG. So when you feel like playing, you play it. Otherwise you can ignore it. So it's not like it becomes a job and you have to log in every day and do stuff. Another Eden. I'll post a, a thing because you guys should check it out. Neat. Who's next? I vote Tori. Dave, Tori, are either of you still here? I'm still here. I'm still here. I can do a good thing. I discovered a website. Well, I didn't discover it. Somebody told me about this website. It's writing into a video game. And I am hooked. I'm very hooked. It's called For the Words. That's the number four. The Words. For the Words. And so you've got a little character and you're going around killing monsters for quests and the monsters drop loot and you can use them for crafting and, and for the quests and things. But, um, the way you kill the monsters is you have to type words in a time limit. So like one monster may require a hundred words in 15 minutes, or it might require 400 words in an hour. Um, just different. Is it ty- like a typing tutor or do you have to no. come up? You, you have a document. You type your words, like whatever it is you're working on. If you need to work on an essay, if you need to work on an article for your blog, if you need to work on your novel, you type whatever you want to type, and it's it's all on the honor system. Like, if you're running out of time, you could copy and paste all the words in there, but that's no fun. Who needs to do that? If you need to write something and you want to be incentivized to do it, other than actually getting the thing written, then this is a great website for it. That sounds perfect for me. It's perfect. <laughs> all right, Dave. Have a good thing. My good thing this week is a song called Axel F, and it's by Harold Faltermeyer. Oh, that's classic. Such a good song. It's It's, in Spy Hunter. It's hard to find, like, going through YouTube, the first, like, 20 results are the crazy frog version of it, and I hate it so much. The original is amazing. The original is on Spotify. It's on some compilation album, but... Totally 80s for kids. <laughs> it came up on Spotify, but it's the original from Beverly Hills Cop. Nice. Actually, it's way, not, that's really not the original. It's I'm sorry, it's not the original, but it is the most uh, well-known version. Beverly Hills Cop is still a really good movie. Um, it, it holds up, I think. We watched it a couple of years ago, and it's like it's still entertaining. Just as a side note, continue. Wasn't that also the song? On Monsters vs. Aliens. Did they play it? I don't... I don't don't remember that that movie well enough to tell you anything about it. I don't think so, but I am not the one to ask. I have to check with my wife. She's 
she knows all the movie trivia stuff. That's the movie with the cute giant lady, right? Yeah. Yep. And so, like, the aliens are coming, and the president goes out to greet them, and the president... Stephen Colbert. (laughs) Stephen Colbert. Goes out to greet them, and... For some reason, there's a keyboard. I've only seen it the once, and it was when it came out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that he plays a reference to Close Encounters, Third Kind, Steven Spielberg movie. The, like, five notes that they play to communicate with the aliens in that movie. Oh, and he might be playing that on the keyboard. Maybe. Does he then break out into Axel F after? He might. I think that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. If not, that's how it happens in my memory, which is clearly that's way better. <laughs> Agreed. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it right now. Yeah, we're yes, not in the middle of it. It is it. That, that's what they're playing. <laughs> yes. Nice. All right. Score good one. Memory. In my memory. All right. I think that's enough good things for now. Uh, Dave, why don't you talk about some bad things? And by that, I mean the chapters this week. Oh, Wait, chapters were good. Before. What was bad was that Ellen got kicked off the throne. <laughs> that happened in last week's chapters, technically. Okay, so we read this week chapters 28, 29, and 30, correct? Yes. Goof up this time. No, you All have right. to go read 10 more chapters. <laughs> I'll gladly read 10 more chapters if I'm allowed to. Alright, chapter 28. Ellen just can't wait to be not king. Or sir doesn't like to be scratched. Ellen needs to get reelected or filibuster. Ellen suspects that the assembly had been infiltrated. Grease attempts to soothe Tindwell. Vin, reassured in Ellen's character, goes out for a mist walk. Tindwell apologizes for treating Ellen like a child. Ellen forgives her. Tindwell has children? Tindwell predicts that Ellen will have to choose between Ving and his kingship. All right, so uh, at the end of part, whatever last week's part was, part two, I think, Ellen had just gotten a letter from the council. They were kicking him off the throne. And, you know, all of the uh, ruffians that don't have the uh, political integrity that Ellen has, are like, well, we have an army still. Let's just take the throne by force. And Ellen does not want to be above his own law that he wrote. So he wants to go about this legally. And dang it, Mike! <laughs> All of the ruffians. You're only writing that because today's a superb owl. Today is the superb owl. Uh, for those of you listening to this, whenever I end up getting it edited and released, today is Superb Owl Sunday, the day when we all open up our doors and look at the great superb owl, the very best of owls. I'm not opening my door. It's cold out there. Oh, man, no. It's so nice out right now. Like, we just got a break from the negative 40 degree weather, and it's now positive 40. Yeah, it's warm right now for us as well. Is it? Yeah. Maybe I should have almost 50 today. today. What? 50? So that's two reasons to to go out and open your door. It was 65 here. Oh, you don't get to talk. You don't get cold. I thought Tori lived near Mike. No, she lives in, like, Oklahoma. Well, Mike is from Oklahoma, but he moved away. He wanted the cold, and he's like, hey, let's go up here. Uh, For our international listeners, and I believe there's at least one of you, uh, 
we are speaking in Fahrenheit, not Celsius. 40 degrees Fahrenheit, or sorry, 40 degrees Celsius would be bonkers <laughs> in February. 65 Celsius. Man, Kelvin. Cool weather. All right, Dave, keep going. So anyway, Elend does not want to be above his own law, so he wants to go about claiming the throne legally. Meanwhile, Vin scratches Orsair's ear and Dude, that's not sure he part. likes it. <laughs> that is so good. She's just like nonchalantly, like not even thinking about doing it. And he's like, this is a weird sense. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> so Elend explains that he can potentially get the council to reelect him and put him back on the throne. Or if they cannot choose a new king within the next month, then... He will become the king again with immunity for one year. So, the two options. So he can find the immunity idol and get to stay king for a year. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't also, get kicked off the throne land. If I had a Chondra dog, I would absolutely scratch his ears and he'd complain about it and I would invoke the contract and he would have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so mean. So, Ellen suspects that the assembly has been infiltrated, that uh, someone is on the inside, either from Set or from uh, his father. Ellen think that, thinks that his father, I think Doxon, or not Doxon, Breeze, since he was the one chilling with Set for a little bit. He's like, oh, that's totally what Set would do. And Ellen is like, oh, that's totally what my father would do. And... You know, uh, throughout all this, another very interesting thing happens. Breeze attempts to soothe Tindwell, and Tindwell says, Stop trying to soothe me, soother. And Breeze is like, Ah, dang, Terrasman. So, implying that Terrasman have some kind of resistance to being soothed. But you know who else has resistance to being soothed? That's right, Kondra. Now, Tindwell, if she is the Chandra, would not be able to detect Breeze soothing her. But if she is a very good spy, she will know Breeze's tendencies and know that he will try to do something and still be able to call him out on it, despite not actually knowing that he's trying to soothe her. And this seems like it should be trying to lead us away from thinking Tindwell is the Chandra. And the more reasons I have to think that Tindwell is not the Chandra, the more determined I am that she is. <laughs> uh, and I went back to the part where she breaks her bonds. You know, she first wants to my fair lady, Ellen. And, you know, she breaks her bonds. So we're to assume that she used her chemical strength to do so. But we do also know that Orser has shown superior physical capabilities, at least in the realm of speed and being able to keep up with with Vin when she's prowling around. So, I don't know, maybe Kondra have some kind of super strength as well. All right, so Vin, reassured in Ellen's character, goes out for a mist walk. So, you know, she's kind of uh, some back and forth, stupid what? face emo kid. And, oh gosh, so sick of him already. He wasn't even in these chapters, and I'm already sick of him. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, Zane's words are still getting the bin, but, you know, actually being in a room with Ellen and hearing him talk, she's reassured that Ellen is a good man, that she wants to be with him for now. She goes out for a missed walk. And then back at the palace, uh, Tindwell and Ellen get alone, and Tindwell apologizes for treating Ellen like a child during the little 
uh, during the little conversation. And Ellen is like, no, I want to do this the right way. I want to do this the legal way. I don't want to abuse my power. And Tindwell's like, that's stupid. But then later on, she apologized for it. And Ellen forgives her. And instead of just kind of dismissing it, it acknowledges that she did something wrong and forgives her a lesson that Tindwell herself taught him. And then we also learn that Tindwell has some daughters. And that's uh, interesting because there are breeding programs, but then breeding programs must involve breeding in some way. So I guess it's not that big of a surprise. And then Tindwell predicts that Ellen will have to choose between Vin and his kingship. So Ellen thinks that he can have his cake and his Vin and eat it and uh, have a good life. But Tindwell thinks that there will be some difficult decisions ahead of him and that he should start thinking about them now. Ellen disagrees. And that's chapter 28. So I have something about your theory. I don't know if it helps it or hurts it. The one that Zane and Vin are sisters? No, the the Tindwell is Chandra theory. Um, So Breeze is known to be an extremely subtle soother. There's a pretty good chance that whether Chandra or not, Tindwell wouldn't have been able to feel him messing with her emotions and just made the assumption. Oh, interesting. And again, I don't know if that, like, helps your theory or not. (laughs) Unless Tindwell had her tin mind on or something and could feel better. Or I guess that only applies to physical feelings, so I don't know. Hmm. All right, chapter 29. Vin goes out to look for Zane, and Ulsha totally calls her out on it. Or sure knows what's up. Contra like contract conversation. Vin figured out the solution to one of her problems. Oh, it wasn't how to out the Contra spy. Uh, so Vin goes out to the keep pasting, which was the last time she had a spar with Zane. And Orsaur's like, he's not coming. And she's like, what? And he's like, I know you're here because you want to see the guy. She's like, oh, I could use a good spar. but. Orser is basically like, he's he's no good. Stay away from him. He knows what's up. And it's some kind of chondro like, I read this last night. <laughs> I can't even remember why I wrote that down. But uh, basically, <laughs> Orser sees things as a chondro does. And, you know, he's like, most con- so he says he first says he's he's a good judge of character. Anyway, Vin even u- yeah Vin even uses the word chondro like that's a very <laughs> so Orsor says Zane made a contract. It is his duty to keep that contract no matter what. He must serve his master. <laughs> In his case, that would be the city, even if that master makes him do something very distasteful. So he's, I'm sorry, he's actually talking about Ellen's here, not Zane. Yeah, so I was going to say that, that Ellen, yeah, Ellen has a quote-unquote contract with the city, and he must obey his master. And Vin says that's a Chandra-like way of seeing things. Uh, and then all of a sudden, while just chilling out in the mist, Vin realizes, or supposes she realizes, what exactly the deepness has been all this time. And that's the end of Chapter dun, 29. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yep. And I all was right, hoping. That's all. See you later. Yeah, when this uh, when chapter thirty started off with Sezed, I was like, 
You got to be kidding me. I'm going to have to wait till next week to find out what Vin's theory is. But this chapter starts off with uh, Seized reading The Well of Ascension by Brandon Sanderson. Which is really meta. Pretty cool. And then Vin shows up and they talk about it. <laughs> They're reading the book. Just turn to the back and then they'll know all the... <laughs> yeah. So Seized begins reading The Well of Ascension by Brandon Sanderson. Vin shows up at the window. And the little liar asks Seized what the deepness is. She didn't know all along. Was it a dark deity? An army from the farmost dominance? The Kolos? Vin thinks it was the mist. Vin tells Seized about mist ghosts. Will the world once again require the hero of ages? So uh, Vin's theory is that the deepness is the mist, and she makes the connections about uh, how Elendi, I guess they don't, well, I guess they do know Elendi's name now because Seized has the uh, has the inscription. But uh, anyways, Elendi was seeing this mist ghost and Vin's putting the lines together and still not really hammered out her theory, but she's so dead set on it. But uh, Seized, being the scholar, has to bring up the counterpoints and Vin's just so absolutely sure that the is the myth. I can't uh, imagine what it would be like to be around somebody who is so very certain of a theory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Where's the Duralu, man? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you know what? They're setting up this whole, oh, there's a spy in the in the assembly, right? So, oh, now we're supposed to think that the Conjure spy is someone in the assembly, which is making me think that it's Tindwill. <laughs> okay, good. On, on the topic of, of the assembly, I meant to mention this earlier. If Ellen and Docs are so certain that it's incredibly easy to, to get some people planted on there, why didn't they plant their own people on the assembly? Ellen did. No, he didn't. He made sure that like some random dock worker ska uh, merchants, the best merchants in the city, and then Nobles that he thought would do a good job. Right, well, that picked, would be against some people. character. That's what I'm saying. No, he Ellen specifically not. did not pick people to support him. He picked people he thought would do a good job. Yes. Oh, okay. Right. So? That's, so what's wrong that's with him? What's wrong with Ellen? Yeah, why is he dumb? He I mean, people too much. He, doesn't, he doesn't want the whole thing to become a a circle, you know what. Hey, I've I've got Condra Tindwill on my side on this argument. Condra Tindwill. <laughs> Mike, you weren't supposed to say that. Dang it. Show ruined. So I, I actually wanted to ask Dave about his thoughts on the deepness. Now that we're actually really like getting into that, like, what's your thoughts? Well, up to this point, I had assumed that it was some kind of dark deity, which is one of the popular theories. It was, uh, I think, the official Lord Ruler theory, uh, teaching as well. And that was brought up here. Uh, I'm not really, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong at this point. It's, uh, the mist could be his doing in some way. And there definitely seems to be a difference between the mists in general and this ghost thingy that's whispering to Vin. I also considered that maybe maybe the mist ghost is the previous hero of ages. 
trying to communicate with the current hero of ages. So there's that. And if it is, uh, if it is, uh, Rachik, then it's probably not very friendly. So yeah, I, the deepness, I think is some, is related to the mist, but not the mist themselves. Okay. Sounds good. Did I say Duralamin? I meant to say Melatium. I think we sure. understood what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, all berryism. <laughs> all berysium. All berysium, that's right. Um, okay, so are you done with your, with your chapter wrap-up? Yeah, I'm done with the chapter wrap-up. I actually just finished reading chapter 30 today, so I might go over and read some more, read it, reread it, and try to come up with uh, a more solid answer on what I think the deepness might be. But I think that the deepness is actually a real, literal, physical being in some way. Have I still don't think. Your recent, uh, who do you think is going to live and die by the end of the book question? No. I, I did not answer such a question. Do you want to? Kelsier is going to die. <laughs> oh, no! Spoilers! Reen is going to die. Reen is going to have Will been dead for several years. Uh, New theory, Reen's already dead. <laughs> so you're saying Reen is a time traveler? He's the ghost thing. He could be the ghost thing. The ghost thing could even be Kelsier for all we know. It did, like... It hasn't been hostile, as far as we know, or has it? Uh, but let's see. I think that uh, Zane is going to die. Is it? Is that what you think's going to happen, <laughs> or what you hope happens? <laughs> I think that he's going to. I think that he's going to end up being like an anti-hero, and then does something. It's basically going to be the what's his face, the Kraythen um, of this book. I think is what's going to happen. Except that I don't like him. Oh, that means, like that means he's going to redeem himself? Alright, that's cool. I'm not saying that he'll redeem himself as a character in my eyes. I'm saying that he'll he'll go down doing something good to save people. So, so you don't ship Vin and Zane? Oh my gosh, the thought of Vin and Zane. They're brother and sister, first of all, if you follow <laughs> my theories. <laughs> Sorry. But I just like... I don't know. The idea of this emo kid whining about Vin her falling for him just disgusts me. I think I already mentioned that if such a thing happens, I will punch my book. Okay. I'm looking forward to that happening. I mean, it's a book. I think it can take it. <laughs> All right. There's something that I should have brought up last week, um, but didn't. And now I want to bring it up this week. I actually did post about it in the Discord so that everybody would be Ham prepared for it. Ham goes grocery shopping. Wait. Yes. Wait. Ham goes grocery shopping. No. Uh, what I should have brought up last week was something called the Bechdel test. Oh, which, that, yeah. for those who aren't familiar with it, it is three sort of check boxes to, to basically see how... like is, This is like a, a bare minimum that... A surprising number of movies, like, don't hit. Uh, so, it is. You need at least two female characters who have a conversation about something other than a man. And I believe last week's shopping trip was the first time in this series, including the first book, 
that passed the Bechdel test. Why am I echoey? I was just wondering that same thing. What about Jess and her mother in, like, the intro of Mistborn? I I think they were talking about that terrible man who was kidnapping. Or they were talking Uh, about Kelsier. That's true. Uh, Were there any girls in Mistborn other than Vin? Like, is there even a candidate? Oh, you know what? There's Vin talking with the maid about eating muffins. I don't remember this part, but... Yeah, I don't remember that either. When when Vin first gets captured by Kelsier and he shuts her up in her room and she comes down for breakfast and she talks to the maid about eating breakfast. So we had Sean... uh, Eladriel? Something like that? Elario. And they're talking about Ellen's. Sure, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just mentioning other female characters. Uh, yeah, every conversation that Vin and Sean have is about Ellen, basically. What about Vin and uh, Chubby Girl? What the heck's her name? Also yeah, about Ellen. Vin immediately yeah, asks her about Ellen. Oh, uh, does she? Uh. Oh That's yeah, because she's like, she's like, guess what? Your boyfriend's getting killed right now. Like, there, Vin's a strong character, but it still doesn't quite meet the Bechdel test. But then we get to Well of Ascension, and we actually get multiple female characters. And then, it's good. We don't yet know, actually, if Orser is male or female. Nah, he's boy. Finn has determined this. Finn has determined? He's a boy, Condra. You can just tell. Just look at him. Just you can tell. He looks like a dog. And Finn can tell. And who's a good boy? See? So anyway, I just, I wanted to bring that up. I don't know okay, if there's like a discussion to have, but yeah. Oh, and I did uh, go back over and there's like a solid two pages of conversation between Vin and Tindwill before any, any Ellen mention starts happening. So I call that, I call that good. And I think um, Elantris passes as well. I believe so because of yeah. There, there's a whole section of women talking about swords. Yes. Oh yeah, yes, all of that. No, but they're talking about uh, shooting. They're like, well, oh, they look how shooting holds that sword. But no, they're um, talking about swords, and then shooting shows up. And Serene talks to her cousin, her little cousin. Mm-hmm. There are conversations between female characters that don't involve, or that aren't about men. Um, Elantris passes. Didn't you say there were three points? What are the other two? That was three points. That there's more than one female character, point one. Oh, I see. They have a conversation, point two, about something other than a man, point three. It's a very simple test, but it's surprising how many things don't pass. Yeah, um, you can actually, like, look online for you know, lists of movies, and there's, like, this ridiculous number of movies that are, like, new. Like, new movies that just don't pass. Like, Deadpool 2 didn't pass. Oh. I need to see that stuff. That one surprised me. And it shouldn't have, because I've seen it, and it doesn't. But I just... It didn't occur to me. Alright, do we have anything else for Dave, or should we... Should we un-Dave? Slash Dave. Alright, that sounds like a vote for No More Dave. Goodbye. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave. Alright, we are in spoiler town.
This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Um, I had something for this. I was thinking about it, and it's gone now. So I mentioned it in the Discord, but I'll, I'll let the listeners know that it's it's good that he, he isn't here, right? Yeah, okay. That he's focusing on Tindwell for the Chandra, because he, he briefly touched on the correct solution last time, which is that maybe Orseer is the Chandra, but then he still thinks, like, he feels Tindwell is a stronger, even though there's a lot of proof that she's not. He's thinking it's misdirection because the first two books trained him to be this way. So, uh, shout outs to that. Yay. I wonder if he even remembers that he thought that because he didn't mention it, did he? This week. Well, we he did not bring it back up, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure when it happens, you'd be like, guys, I had that thought, but until that happens, we're just, no, whatever, just let him. Let him go. Let him think what he thinks. And we'll laugh at him as we do. Oh, this isn't spoiler specific or anything, but I found a mention of us out in the wild. Oh. Um, I'm part of a the... Good mention? Is yeah. it a good mention? Uh, I'm part of the uh, the Legendariums Discord. Uh, they're another... They're a fantasy book podcast that I listen to. Tori, I've uh, linked you to a couple of their episodes. Uh, anyway, one of the other people who is part of that uh, Discord name-dropped us uh, because he's a fan of the Cosmere. They've done Cosmere books, and we were at the top of his list of other Cosmere uh, podcasts. Huh. Aw, how sweet. So, shout-outs to too. Jake at the Legendarium Podcast Discord. I saw what you did, buddy. Yay! Um, oh, so, do you guys remember if the the knowledge that the Miss Spirit stabbed a dude has shown up yet? It, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think it really applies until they try to escape. Like, like, Ellen and Vin leave the city. Then it's sort of, they discuss it. So I think it's going to come up more then. Well, I know it Definitely comes up soon because it's part of Vin's research while she's, you know, looking into right, the right. Miss Spirit. Yeah. Just Dave brought up that uh, he didn't think the Miss Spirit had been violent. So right. I, I was just trying to remember if that was something that had happened yet. And I have no idea. I do like how he was like, what if it's Kelsier? <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a good guess. I like where your head's at, Dave. It's a book too early, though. Because it is not Kelsier at this point. It really is preservation. But soon it will be Kelsier. I also liked his theory that the Miss Spirit was, like, previous Hero of Ages thing. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really interesting and cool theory. Completely wrong. but But that is an excellent theory that I wish I had thought of myself. Well, we'll have to see what he thinks of the Miss Spirit, um, especially once it tries to stab Ellen. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Ruin trying to stab him. That jerk. So and what then, do we have the, in and, and, these chapters? 
I mean, Dave is correct. Zane will die. He will not redeem himself because Zane is a jerk and he dies. And I think I think Dave will be satisfied with that character arc because it basically means Vin grows up and realizes, hey, Ellen deserves. Well, not deserves, but Ellen is a better choice. Stop being bad at this. Okay. Right? Like, she she grows up, essentially. She's like, she matures a bit and realizes that even though they're sort of different from each other, that she can still support him and do stuff. Like, instead of picking the edgy bad boy, yes. picks the yes. good guy. Yes. I mean, I think this is part of of I and I could basically I could see where Dave is coming from the dissatisfaction with Zane type thing. Um, I certainly got the same feeling my first read as well because I'm like, why is Vin even agonizing over this decision? It's like a simple choice, but that's not how it works, and that's not how feelings work either. So I can understand like Dave's perspective reading it for the first time. I I basically felt similar. And now I can go back and reread and I can notice different things. And I can be like, okay, I can accept it for what it is. And, um, yeah. So I don't really have anything. I thought I had something. And I'm pretty sure I had something. But it's gone now. And I don't remember it. Uh, So I need you guys to carry things for about 15 more minutes. Wait, what? We can basically just wrap up. Unless there was something else that we need to discuss. So... We have more Tindwell stuff where she's sort of like, I, I, I guess you're starting to get the impression that, that Ellen, like, okay, yes, he's, he, at the time he was a pushover when he came up with this, but he means well. Like, the fact of the matter is the Lord Ruler was a tyrant, and he was subverted by Ruin eventually, so it's not like... He was always for preservation. He ruined mess with his head, made him do questionable things like creating the coloss and playing around with hemallergy, that sort of thing. So, you know, Ellen wanted to make sure that people could choose their ruler. Like, it makes sense. It's just a shame that at the time people aren't really ready for that or they'll just at least take advantage of it as they do. Uh, and plus, we do have a crisis with the the armies trying to take over Luthadel. So there's different circumstances, but in an, an ideal world, they could have established a strong government and maybe it would have worked out well. But now is not the time for that. And it's only going to get worse when we hit uh, Hero of Ages. I mean, at that More point, Ellen actually is the right man for the job at that, like... Sure, but the world is falling apart at that point. There's just... No time to even worry about politics. It just does not matter. Yeah, that's true. So, But Ellen has also, at that point, accepted that he should just be a tyrant, because that's what needs to happen at the moment. Yeah, and he has a whole... He thinks about his comparison with the Lord Ruler. And, but that that's the main thing. He's not the Lord Ruler because he thinks about that. Which, we should get a good compare and contrast on Book 3, Ellen versus Dalinar. Against Dalinar, all right. Put that on the to-do list. Well, I mean, Elend is like, all right, if if a tyrant is what the world needs, then I'll be a tyrant. And Dalinar has basically the same attitude. He doesn't want to be a tyrant, but, well, what other choice does he have? 
it's also funny that they're powerful just in different ways. Like Ellen has the Mistborn deed of awesomeness, and Dalinar is just freaking ridiculous, Marshally. Could I will you be a tyrant? What's that? In that position, could you be a tyrant? I don't think I could be a tyrant. I don't think I could do it. Like in Ellen's position? In any position of power over people where you had that choice to make. Like, could I, given power, be corrupted by it? Very, very easily. Yeah, definitely. No, no, not being corrupted by it, but actually... Because, because, like, I wouldn't say Dalinar is corrupted by it, and book three, Ellen isn't being corrupted by it. He's just like, oh, this is what I have to do now. Right. Making decisions for what he perceives as the greater good type thing. And and making it happen, not asking people to do it. I I think I could, given Ellen's position, I, I think I, I I could probably do something like that. But only if I was in Ellen's position. Not, like, in general. I think I'd go full Lord Ruler with it. <laughs> well, we know who the Lord Ruler of our show is. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think I'd go full-on, you know, torture, submission, breeding programs. I think I'd, yeah, I would make blue people. Speaking of breeding programs, is this the first mention of Tindwell actually having children? I thought she mentioned it during the the shopping trip, but I don't remember that part specifically. Well, it's certainly the first time Dave noticed. And, I mean... I, I think she just had a throwaway line about how she had daughters. And it is sort of important for Dave to notice that. The problem is, when he's thinking Tindwell's the Chondra, he's not thinking about the implication of if Tindwell actually is a terrorist and especially... Uh, she can, um, she's a world bringer, essentially. Uh, and that's sort of how they, you know, bred it. Like her being in the breeding program to make more ferrochemists important. Especially because we have Wax and Wayne in the future. Who I am convinced are both, um, distant descendants of Tindwell. They might have to be. Because, like, everyone else is basically killed. My husband is finally up to the Era 2 books, and uh, he powered through the first one, and now he's on the second one. I think he's, I think it took him less than a week. And, uh, but so, is he enjoying it? Yes. We, uh, we went out last night, and on the way home, we were just talking about just the, the progress of the books and what he thinks of them, and uh, I asked him who his favorite character was, and he said, well, Wax is pretty badass, <laughs> so... You know, I think most people like Wayne the best. Not saying I agree with it, I think... Right. <laughs> I like Wax. Yeah. I actually like Starris. She really, like... Yes, yeah. At first, I'm like, oh, Starris. And then I'm like, yes, Starris. Well, we had a whole conversation about Starris. I was yeah. like, you yeah. on me by the end of the of the series, and... Uh, he mentioned that, well, you know, in the first book, she's pretty much a paper doll. Like, not a lot of characterization happens. She's just kind of blah. Is that was his exact words? Um, but in the in the second book, you get more of her personality, and you can see that she's trying. Because um, um, 
the reason we talked about it is because he's, he listens to it in the car. And so when we were on our way to our date, we, we listened to it together. Um, so it was fun just kind of jumping in, in the middle. Um, it was when, uh, Wax and Steris are attending the governor's party and, uh, Wayne and Marisy have to sneak in with Wayne being disguised as that professor. And, um, Wayne's scene in that particular chapter is just, he's, he's making a battle plan of how he is going to eat all the hors d'oeuvres at this party. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Wayne. Wayne is my spirit animal. <laughs> Wayne is wonderful. But yeah, Team Steris. Um, Especially book three Steris. Book three Steris yes. is the best. Man, I can't wait for book four. Well, and you do see a hint of that in that particular scene in book two, because that's the chapter where, um, you know, she's, she's on Wax's arm and they're at the party and, and she's, uh, trying to steer him through the, these social interactions, um, that even though she's kind of socially awkward, she still knows more about how to be polite at these parties than he does. And she says a couple of witty things and she has to tell him, you know, I, I prepared those remarks ahead of time. <laughs> had diverting things to say to you. And, and he realizes that that that's just who she is, that that is her being genuine, even though her remarks were pre-planned and basically fake, but just that she would go to the effort of doing that. Man, I need to reread it because I, I I need to focus more on on Steris because the last time I actually reread uh, Alloy of Law was right before the second and third book came out. So I basically read it again and continued onward. So I have not done a fresh reread, knowing what I know now. I mean, if we're just talking Alloy of Law, it's a very short Cosmere book. It is like there's there is not a lot to that book. I'm just saying I need to reread all of them because it's been a while. I, yeah, I was really I behind that. that for before, but can't wait much longer. I am. I don't know if I told you guys. I'm currently reading Legion. I'm like I finished the first two books, ebooks. So I'm on the last. I believe it's a trilogy. So I'm on the last one. Yeah, there's only the three. It's not bad. It's interesting. I enjoyed them. Got some neat stuff going on. Um, a little bit of. It um, and and I I really loved Skyward. That's my favorite non-Cosmere Brandon Brandon Sanderson novel. Definitely gonna be rereading that one, especially when the second book comes out. But uh, like gotta, it, gotta it, disagree on favorite, but it's very good. Well, I haven't read the one you guys are talking about, so Chalk Zone. As I've Dave only read it. the Reckoner series and now Legion. And for that, Skyward is still the best of those three. Yeah, of of that group, definitely. But um, you should also check Skyward. out the uh, the Alcatraz books. They're very very good. And beware, this is this is spoilers, and we have the spoiler warning up. Uh, like it has a bit of a quote unquote magic system in there at the very end, but it sort of has the same sort of like this exists, but we're not really going to go into it. Whereas Legion has a system i can't even call it magic but it has a thing going on but you definitely get a lot more details about how steven 
works with his aspect. So I would equate that more closer to Mistborn, where Mistborn goes into the magic system. But then you look at something like, uh, I guess, Elantris, maybe, where there's a magic system that exists, but you don't get too many details about how it works. And that would be Skyward. I'm kind of hoping that when Elantris 2 comes out, they there isn't a lot of focus on the Elantrians. Really? But don't we need to so we can learn more about the Ire and... Irie and sort of um, the okay. So the the magic system with the Elantrians is basically a do anything robot. It was interesting in the first book because nothing worked. It's basically a programming language that you can then do anything with. Sure, magic without limit or er, power without limitations is not interesting. For instance, yeah, Superman. He's well aware. I would be really interested if I had that power. So I I equate it to it's a mathematical slash programming language that allows you to do magical things. I can imagine them making things with it. Like you make devices that use investiture to do things. It's it's how it was set up in the first place with the way they had their lights up and they, they had other things as well. And it's, I imagine, the way it will continue forward, because you get a lot of that when you read uh, Secret History. You see how the Irie, like, how their stronghold operates. And they, they use a lot of devices. So wait, I imagine... Wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. So if it's a programming language, now I've just got this mental picture of an Elantrian sitting there like... Did you turn it off and turn it back on? <laughs> the tech support. Did you try unplugging it? <laughs> I mean, that was the Riode. Basically, yes. Someone had to be tech support for them. And they're like, oh, wait, we just drew this wrong. Yeah, um, Riodin yeah, so, just debugged the city. That's all that happened. So I imagine we're not going to get too much about the magic system itself, but it will certainly be used and it'll be present very much so. I hope that we get a little bit more of the like cognitive realm, if they can even go there, or, or just, just, just they gotta focus on other things, just not the magic system. Or he could introduce us to some of the other regional magic systems. That'd be interesting. You mean like in Emperor Soul? Like in Emperor Soul, indeed. Emperor Soul was amazing. The magic yeah, system was but- interesting. And there's potentially, you know, hundreds more similar to that around the world on Elantris. Yeah, but they all operate cell. the same way. On cell. Yes, on cell. They operate the same way, which is pictures, which is a programming thing. Okay, but operate the same way doesn't necessarily mean is the same power. Soul well, I mean, stamps rewrite think- the history of a thing. But there's also the guy who, like, has skeleton zombie warriors. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Rewriting the history, what she's doing is changing the connection and identity of an object. Well, specifically the identity of the object. Um, So so I was actually thinking about this. I don't know exactly what I was reading. I'm going to assume it was secret history. But when you start really looking into connection, identity, uh, which are mentioned especially in Era 2 Mistborn. It's a lot of these magic systems, 
operate based on these things. And you actually get a lot of talk about connection in Secret History because that was the whole thing with the Irie. They needed to create a connection with preservation in order to pick up his shard. So they had a thing that let them do that. Um, so it would change the connection of a person to something else based on, I guess, what, however, whatever you're touching. Um, but it's the same thing that in Emperor Soul, you're changing the identity of an object so it looks different, as, as in it has a different history and it was created differently, so therefore it looks different. Um, but it's interesting that, like, it, it, all of this stuff is distilled based on the same components. Like, if you go back to the Alimentic chart and look at the 16 things you can do, a lot of the magic systems in the Cosmere boil down to those things. And when you start messing with connection and identity, that's when you get some really interesting stuff. I remembered my thing. Okay. My thing from, like, half an hour ago that I forgot. I remembered it. Alright. Uh, that is that Vin's hunch that uh, the mist is or that the deepness is the mist. Yeah. Uh, that's Ruin. That's Ruin whispering to her. Yes. And in fact, the reason that all of Vin's hunches are always right is because Ruin keeps feeding information to her. Well, they appear right. I, that's something else I, I realized in the reread. Vin is wrong a lot. Like, she she has gut instincts about certain things, and it turns out to be very wrong. Like, her, the whole idea about killing the Lord Ruler technically is a bad idea at the time, although ultimately it's also a good idea. But this whole, the mist is the deepness, is really wrong. And, and of course, how she solves it by letting go uh, of, the, of the, the stuff in the well. Like, she thinks that's what she has to do because of all these prophecies and stuff, and because it feels right, but then it's very wrong because that's how you release Ruin. Ultimately, it's correct, but it takes a while to get there. Which is which there. is sort of what I'm saying, is that Vin's hunches are Ruin's whispers, which help her out in the short term, help Ruin out in the middle term, and then Harmony in the long term. Yes. But yeah, like all of her hunches, including I would I would guess like when she avoids meeting Hoyd as as an yeah, informant and she's like, oh, no, that's I should stay away from that just because she gets a hunch. I want to call that one ruin. That that probably is, because if she met with Hoyd, it probably would have turned out differently. Ruin can't affect Hoyd. Like he doesn't have a connection with him, so he can't like whisper to Hoyd to have the wrong information. Maybe some information that Hoyd would have given her would have led her in a different direction. So, whoops. There's a weird thing. I can't meet with this guy. Also, I, I sort of want to talk about Hoyd. Um, I don't quite... Well, hang on, hang on. Before we talk about Hoyd, um, I think it would be interesting on a reread to look at all of the times that Vin has hunches about people as she meets them, um, that are wrong. Like, because she didn't trust Tindwell when they first met. Right. And right. I, I don't know, but just anyway, back. To um, I sort of wish I thought about that in the beginning. Um, we can make a note and if anyone rereads, we can pay attention to that. But with Hoyd, the only thing I wanted to ask is like, I don't understand his timeline in Mistborn. So 
we know he's in book one. We know he pops up at in the Well of Ascension when Kelsier's just chilling there. So that's around now, roughly, in the story. Or maybe it was a few months ago. Uh, because a lot of this happened again. So Hoyd pops up again there, and we know he's present on Skadriel after that point. So what I'm gathering is that Hoyd was on was on Skadriel, then he left through the pits of Hathsin before Helsier blew it up, and then he decided to come back, but he couldn't come back through the pits, so he had to go through the well. And hey, look, Kelsier's there. Like, is that is that Hoyd? Is that what he's doing? Is that his Again, hang on, new theory, new theory, because, okay, if he's in both Era 1 and Era 2, then we've got time travel, and he's a world hopper, so that's space travel, and sometimes he has a different appearance, and he's known for his witty dialogue. Guys, Hoyt is the doctor. <laughs> TV tropes, wild mass guessing, beat you to that by about a decade. No. Hoyd, basically the doctor. That's that's it. That's all we need to know. Like, um, Okay, so word of Brandon on Hoyd as far as the time issues is he doesn't live, or he hasn't lived all of the years that he's been around for. Yeah. So, like, he's, yeah, he gets to skip travel. some time. Not necessarily, also... it, the time travel is in one direction. But, Forward. like, yeah, he just gets yeah. to skip some. Um, and he he's using fortune, capital F fortune, in some way to know when where to be, not what to do, but he's in at least in the right place at the right time. Yeah, he uses fortune to tell him where and when to be, but not what to do for that. He just sort of has to guess and try to get it right. But he's certainly up the stuff, and you you really get that in uh. Seeker history where he tells Kelsier that you already did what I needed you to do. So Hoyt is doing a lot more in the background than we really expect. Um, plus, he also does have access to breaths as far as we think, as far as we know, because he, he uses breaths. Uh, he has perfect pitch uh, at one point in Stormlight Archives. So he probably has enough for the fifth height heightening, which gives him agelessness anyway. So, by this point, it doesn't even matter how old he is because he's effectively immortal. Um, I want to say the Coppermine, and we we talked about this before, but, like, the Coppermine said that he had access to ferrochemical um, fortune, which, combined with mm -hmm. Allomancy, means that he can compound fortune, which means that he, he has ought to, to be able to compound anything. So, gaining agelessness and being able to compound age with Atium means that he may have been old at one point, but not no mo. Actually, it does say abilities on the copper mine. He does light weaving, which which we know he has uh, a cryptic at the very end of Oathbringer. It says Verukamist. We know he's misborn because he took the bead. He's an awakener because he has awakening stuff. Light weaving is listed twice for some reason. Good job. Well, he has some form of illusion magic before he becomes a light weaver, but then he gets 
official light weaving. Oh, true. So light weaving and light weaver. Yeah, right. I don't, know and how he, I don't know how he got access to Furukami, though. I don't either. He could be using unkeyed metal mines. But did those even exist at the time when he would have access to them? Well, we know he understands a lot more about identity and connection than, like, most other people in the Cosmere. So I imagine he would figure it out and maybe make his own unkeyed metal mines. Maybe he's the one who figured it out and told Kelsier who told all those other scadrons. Nah, he, he ain't helping Kelsier. He does not like Kelsier. Kelsier, I think, figured it out in a different way. Although he was guys... thrilled to death that he was able to punch him. That was fun. <laughs> do you do you think... Well, that's because Hoyt can't hurt people for some reason. It, it causes him physical pain that he will throw up if he even thinks about physically hurting someone else. I wonder if that's tied into him, um, like, tapping into fortune so deeply. Because... Mm, maybe. I, I, I want to say I read a thing that, like, the, the explanation on fortune is that it it pushes you toward, like, the most perfect version of yourself, and the most perfect version of Hoy doesn't need to punch people. It's a decent enough theory, from what little we know. Anyway, the whole point of me bringing up Hoyd was I'm trying to understand what path he's following in the books. I know he pops up in book one. I know in secret history he comes through the well. That's between books one and two. And we know he's present because Vin was going to meet with him. And that was what? In book two? Was that book three? I think that was we should book make three. one of those maps. We should make one of those maps, but we should make it in the style of... What's that little kid? Billy from Family Circus, you know, when he's running all over the playground and there's just the dotted line that shows where he's been. Oh, and we need one for Hoyd? Right. I want to say the, the Dodge Informant meeting is in book two. But no, I don't... I don't know. I'm... I know in book three? Actually, I can just look it up here. Hold on. Yeah, you look it up, because I'm going to say some dumb stuff and People are going to yell at me on the internet and hurt my feelings. I mean, we get stuff. Let's see. Hoyd is in Fadric. How do you say Fadric? Fadric's city. Is it Fadric's? We pronounce the X? Yeah, in the audiobooks anyway. Um, Set suggested Hoyd as an informant. So it's when she goes to Fadric's city. So that would have been book three. Okay. Yeah, and, and Kelsier's cognitive shadow, like it mentions Kelsier as well. So But I know he also is the one leading like the surviving um those guys. The people that say it is Terrace. The surviving Terrace people. I wanna sure. say back to Luthadel. Man, you know, when we get like a couple decades from now, we're gonna be talking about Hoyd. We're going to have one of those charts that show, like, the path of Hoyd. I mean, once we actually find out what Hoyd has been doing and he's no longer mysterious, he's going to be way less interesting. Oh, no. So, I still can't determine if he's hero, anti-hero, or villain. Or none of the above. Like, he's up to something. And as he mentioned to Dalinar, uh, he he has to do, like, he's going to do it regardless if anyone stands in his way. All right. 
I would say, given what we know of Hoyd, hero is out. Um, villain is debatable because he is definitely um, against Odium. And yeah. Odium is very, very bad news. Sure. So in the short but, term, he's not a villain. But Hoyd could be up to also bad news and just also has a personal vendetta against Odium because Odium's a jerk. Okay. Well, he's certainly trying to get connection with every all the different shards. Which could mean he's trying to put Adon... Adon... Adonalsium. Is it really Adonalsium? We have this discussion every time you fail to pronounce the the word. Yeah, the big A. Um, But he could be trying to put it back together, but we don't know. I mean, so it's interesting from theories I've been reading. Uh, So we do know, like, Kelsier knows a, a lot more than usual. Like, he's essentially turning into a world hopper, um, assuming he can even leave Skadrill, which I believe he can. Uh, uh, well, so, once, he, we know, once he comes back to life, he ought to be able to. And we know he he butts heads with with uh, Hoyd, and then Dalinar might be up to something. There's hints that he could be uniting the shards as well, but uh, I feel like that's weak. He could be... Dalinar might unite Honor, might unite those shards if he can. Um, I don't think he's going to pick up multiple shards. I think Plus, that... Plus, I'm a little worried that I if don't know. he does pick up uh, o- Odium, like, what that means, if he has another shard aside from just... Because it's passion. It's not just It's not just hatred. It's passion. So if he's Honor and Odium... He's very passionate about honor, which could be sort of scary. It's sort of like preservation. It's sort of scary if you just take him by himself. Like, he really does want things perfectly preserved and never changing. So it's actually nice that he's mixed together with Ruin to break harmony, because that means we get change, we get growth. It's nice. I just had a thought that Delinar actually is in a pretty good position to recreate and become honor because yes. he's already bonded with the Stormfather, who is the cognitive shadow of of honor yes so he's he's already got the biggest chunk of the shard um attached to his soul yes so hmm what i don't I, I, think I really... is that i i really don't think that that's what happened at the end of oathbringer despite what some of the internet seems to think Wait, what do you mean? That when he um, united the realms and and made the perpendicularity uh, and shouted out, I am unity, that he became a new shard? No, that that's bunk. No, no, he's, he's not a new shard, but he's starting to tap into the honor shards. And I, I think his part of the story is that he might end up becoming honor. Just like I believe Adeline will eventually reawaken his sword his shard blade would that kill sill that's if, what i was wondering since she's an honor spren and the some of the spren are splinters of of honor um honor spren specifically so reuniting the shard should get rid of those right well i think it depends on on if you actually need to collect 
all of the different splinters in order to recreate the shard. We know, we've seen, you know, Kelsier tap into Preservation's power, Vin tap into his power. Like, the stuff doesn't just disappear. The mists go into her, but there's still everything else that Preservation and Ruin created. Like, the planet and the people didn't just disappear, despite them having a piece of Preservation and Ruin within them. It might be true for Honor Sprint. They but, might but not But Preservation have wasn't shattered. Right, so we, that's, that's the thing we don't know. But it really depends on if Honor Sprint existed before Honor was splintered. If they existed before, then it's still then I imagine they'll still continue to exist. If they oh, they would have had exist, to exist. Yeah, they had to have Honor, existed before Honor got shattered. They had to have. Yeah, because the the Knights Radiant existed before Honor got shattered. Then I suspect they. Syl doesn't have to die. Never mind. Syl's fine. Syl can live forever. Hooray for Syl. Syl better. She's one of my favorites. How's Kaladin ever supposed to get a girlfriend? I mean, he just needs to meet someone that Syl likes. Syl doesn't like people. <laughs> no. No, she likes rock. And, I mean, we... Hmm. She rock? Was, he was shipping him with Shalon pretty hard. It just didn't. You know, but, that's that's another discussion because Shalon is weird and she has two different aspects. And it really seems like one aspect is good for Adeline and the other aspect is good for Kaladin. And I wonder if that's the direction we're going to go. I know Sanderson doesn't really like to do love triangles, but there's still some weird stuff going on here. Okay, the, the issue with Syl is that she wants to watch. No mating. Pattern also wants to watch. Like, he's into that. <laughs> and, I don't know, you could think of it like, you know, like it's your dog at the foot of the bed, and they're just staring at you. But, eh, it's you know, off I had the same exact thought with Legion. Like, what does Steven do with the aspects when he wants to be intimate with someone? I don't think he does, though. Like, it, it's explicitly stated in, in Legion that, like, he's only gone on a few dates since the aspects started showing up, and they always end badly. Sure. Sure. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, things like the watch. It happens. Okay, but now we've got the idea of your dog watching you from the foot of the bed. Okay. What if the next morning your dog wanted to then have a conversation with you about what just happened? And your techniques and ways you can improve because that's what's going to happen with Syl. And I, uh, if I were Kaladin, I don't know that I, that it'd be worth it. That's just a problem he's going to have to solve. This is, I'm sure Knights Radiant have figured out some solution to this or they've just taken vows of, of chastity. Wait, I have an idea. What if he summons her as, a a blade or a spear or whatever puts her in another room and leaves her summoned. <laughs> it's like you're sitting in a corner and think about what you've done. Can she choose to de-blade herself? I think I she can. can. Alright, I, th gonna... I think we've gone into the weeds here a bit, so let's, let's go ahead and end it for the day. Okay. <sighs> Bye, Internet. I'm sorry for the last 15 minutes. 
questions that we'll have to think about. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.